Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Excited to dive into the world of allied health, understanding how we're educating folks who will be helping us in our healthcare experiences across the gamut. To do that, I'm really excited to be joined today by Dr. Joanit Montano, who is the Provost and Senior Vice President of Academics at the College of Healthcare Professions, CHCP. Joanit, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. You have a really interesting background. We always like to begin by understanding our guests' origin stories. Who are you and how did you get to this point in your professional life? Interestingly, it's not where I thought I was going to end, for sure. I started my education in medicine and I'm a medical doctor by training. And I've been working in hospitals and in clinics for a number of years, working very closely with allied health professionals my whole life medical assistants, nurses, uh, respiratory technicians, et cetera. So I had a very common knowledge of who they are and what they do. I had to leave uh, medicine for personal reasons. I had a premature daughter and we had some issues there. And when I went back to the work field, I was looking for a lot of flexibility at the time just so that I could have work-life balance. And I was looking into academics. And to be honest, um, I started really doing it part-time and just teaching. And I was teaching allied health professionals, mm -hmm. um, medical assistants and respiratory technicians, teaching them anatomy and physiology. And I just really fell in love with the academics. And I fell in love with the teaching and seeing that light bulb moment in their faces and being a part of really creating that environment of the healthcare professions, you know, and I just fell in love with that. And really it's a passion of mine and 15 years into it, I still love it every day. It's become more of a calling than just a job. Yeah. And we'll get into some of the specifics of what you're doing at CHCP in a, a minute. Before we do that, there probably is no typical allied health professional, but it's a wide range of roles. The field is, is, is really broad and it's very critical in terms of the, the type of care that they're delivering, really rounding out the full healthcare ecosystem. Can you catch us up a little bit more on what Allied Health is and who are the students that you're serving? Sure. And I'll explain it to you this way. When you go to a physician's office, Who's the first person that greets you? It's the receptionist. That's an allied healthcare professional. Mm -hmm. They've gone through school. They know um, a little bit about billing and coding in the front end of the business. Who takes you to the back of the clinic to your room? It's a medical assistant. That's an allied health professional. Mm -hmm. Who checks you out after you see the physician and you deal with the nurse that gives you the, the medications or whatever treatments in the plan? So the nurse is allied health. And the back end when you check out is also an allied health professional. So if you think about it, everybody that's ever been to a physician or been at a hospital has come in contact with allied health professionals, mm -hmm. uh, respiratory technicians, ER, ER health, EMTs, paramedics. So it's a vast, vast category of professional workers that are incredibly needed and essential, especially during the pandemic. Right. And that's the next place I wanted to go, where we talk a lot about the job market, the great reshuffle, the impact of the pandemic on how people are thinking about their career paths. And then we also talk a lot about access and equity and trying to figure out how to educate people on the career paths that are out there, where lots of times people don't even know that they might be qualified or they could be trained into one of these roles, but there's just a, maybe an awareness problem 
around what those career paths are like. Can you talk a little bit about the, the problem space and then what the College of Healthcare Professions is doing to, to help open up those pathways? Sure. It is interesting because you're right. Uh, you're not alone. A lot of people don't know what allied health is, and it's such a broad term for really uh, very specific careers. And these careers, really, in, in terms of training, you can get training anywhere from a nine-month program to two-year program. It could be an associate's degree level. For example, ultrasound technicians, that's an associate's degree level. Respiratory technicians, that would be an associate's degree level. But when it comes to medical assistance, that's like a certificate nine-month program. Mm -hmm. So it's it, it's a very educational pathways. But how it worked out for us, there's always been a demand for allied health workers. Obviously, the one thing that's always going to be there is illnesses and people are always going to be getting sick. So there's always been an incredible demand for it. Now with the pandemic, it was so it became so urgent and so necessary and so important because our nursing staff in the hospitals, they were just thin. Everybody was burned out. People were getting sick. Yeah. People couldn't work. So we ended up having a lot of our employers that we have partnerships with here in Texas, which is over 1,500 of them, um, actually. They were calling us just saying, hey, do you have some graduates that are coming out soon because we are in great need? The good thing for us, if there's a good thing in pandemic, is uh, that we were considered essential workers because we're allied health school. Yeah. So we were allowed to continue um, educating those students and especially the hands-on part component that we'll talk a little bit later, how we do that structure and the flexibility of it. But we were allowed to continue that, of course, with like PPEs and six feet distancing and mm -hmm. all the safeties that needed to be had with, with COVID. Mm -hmm. But we were allowed to continue that and our students were able to continue their education and really we were able to help the, the hospitals and the clinics that needed so much help. So it was, it's been a very organic learning, especially in the community in terms of knowing that we're here and what we do. The other thing is our, our partnerships with our employers are very deep. We actually, CHCP started with a group of the McGregor medical group, they actually started the school because they wanted to train their own medical assistant. So, and that was over 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So because of that, we've had all these partnerships. So, so the hospitals and the clinics, they know that we're here and it's been a very organic growth. Mm -hmm. And what do you think are the biggest barriers to adult learners successfully pursuing certificates and degrees in allied health? So I'll give you an example. I'll give you a percentages of our demographics. So 30% of our population in our schools are students between the ages of 23 and 30. And sorry, yes. And 40% are greater than 30. So those are the adult learners that we're dealing with in, in those categories. The adult learners are incredibly, incredibly resilient students but they really come with really complicated lives. Most of them are single parents. They need jobs. They have to work and go to school. They can't just drop, drop their job and, and do 100% education. They have family members that they care for at home. And if you think about it with a pandemic, all the kids were home, all, every family member, it, it just became incredibly complex. So these are their students that we deal with. Right. In our schools, the majority actually, we have a high percentage of Hispanic students, which is our demographics are 57% Hispanic. Mm -hmm. 
um, African-American and 17% Caucasian. Mm -hmm. A lot of complications that come with that and financial instability as well. And then the design of your program is to to kind of meet some of those needs that that population has around fitting their upskilling and their career pathing into the rest of their lives. You know, work-life balance, as you mentioned before, is something that I think we've all struggled and probably are still struggling to come to terms with, but work-life learn balance. There's only so much time you can dedicate. Can you walk us through a little bit of how your model is designed and some ways in which it might be a little bit different? So we have a blended uh, model of education. And like I said, in the beginning of, of when we started, when you asked me, you know, how did you get into this? I was looking for flexibility in my work-life balance. So it, mm-hmm. it's very common. So our programs are blended. And what that means is our students really come to the physical structure of the class two days a week. And the rest of the time they're learning online, really. And, and that flexibility allows them to be able to hold jobs still or be able to take care of their kids, take them to school, have meetings, take care of their parents. So it's a very flexible but structured education. Mm-hmm. And with the structure is it's very catered to whatever the program is. We are, it's a very focused programs. They're focused on whatever the training is supposed to be. How do you measure success? I know you've been looking at completion rates and I imagine job placement is another area that you're looking at. And this is also a population that frequently falls into the some college, no degree where if they're not able to complete what they started, in some ways they wind up further behind than had they even made the effort to begin with. You almost need to support these learners and help provide those safety nets and those scaffolds to to actually get them across the finish line. Yes, there's so many things that we do for our students because we already know that they have complicated lives. So we really don't want them to continue to have to uh, remove barriers and continue to say, okay, now you have to take these remediation courses before you even start your program. So we want to ensure that we meet them where they are. And what I mean is we assess them in a way that we know what barriers are going to be encountered and what is their family you know, like, what things can happen along the way, because life happens to all of us. Mm-hmm. And at making that assessment from the very beginning, we're able to build a program and a plan that's going to have intention and that's going to be targeted to what, they're, what they came to school for. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, there's, there's just so many things that go into getting an adult learner to be successful and to be able to complete. We also have just incredible support systems at the school level and at the college's level Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to student services, counseling services, financial aid services. So there are just so many things that we really do to wrap our arms around each and every one of those adult learners so that they can be successful. You know, you asked about how do we measure success and obviously outcomes is everything (laughs) because if, if you don't graduate them and you don't place them, then what's the point? Right. So yes, we measure success, obviously, by these students getting placed in the field of study and they mm-hmm. came to school. Mm-hmm. And this past year, we had an 86% placement uh, ratio, um, mm-hmm. and that was within pandemic, how needed it is, yeah, um, how needed allied health is. In addition to that, Rice University did a study on graduation rates for our school, for our students, for the Hispanic students in, in STEM careers, really. 
And it's, it, the results were amazing. We had a graduation rate of over, they, they studied over 6,000 graduates. And out of those, we had a 78% graduation rate. Wow. You know, when you divide it into the female graduation rate, the female was 80% and the male was 67%, yeah. um, which is pretty phenomenal. When you think about it nationally, they probably have a 34% grad rate. Mm. And there's so many things that go into making that happen, obviously. Right. Any thoughts for folks who may not be as deep into the allied health field, but they're looking to reach adult learners, they're, lo- they're thinking about designing a program. What have you learned through your experience reaching this population, helping them achieve their goals and move to better outcomes in terms of their career prospects? Any thoughts around what's really driven your success and, and how other folks might be able to find similar success in other fields? They're just, there's so many, there's so many learnings. And, and to be honest, I've been doing this for over 15 years and I still learn every single day something new, mm-hmm. which is part of why I love what, I, what we do. But learnings are many, but some of the most important ones is that we have to really meet our students where they are. We have to be able to assess them without judgment. It's something that sometimes we, we forget to do, or it goes to the bottom of the list instead of the front of the, um, front of the list. And we have to be able to build a plan with intention for them. And we have to compassionately motivate students. And what I mean by that is students, engagement is everything. If, if you engage the student and you, and we know this from the very beginnings and you continue to motivate them, they're, they're going to be able to be successful for the most part, mm-hmm. a high percentage of them. Of course, you can't help everybody, but the high percentage that you're going to be able to help. And part of that compassionate motivation, I think the key for us is our faculty, our faculty, a lot of them have been our students at some point because our faculty are professionals in the field and they completely understand where our students are coming from. They understand what they're going through. And having that person there that our student can say, I see myself in her or him mm-hmm. and I connected. And this is the reason why I'm here and that I like it here is because I feel like I fit in. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly important. So having all those components, it's really, it's really the recipe for success. But with that said, I have to say, you know, this is incredibly scalable and our hopes is always that I wish that everybody would run with it and and do it all over the country, but really all those components, plus the flexibility of the programs and the scheduling. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, we call it the special sauce. That's a special sauce. (laughs) Nice. That's good. That's good. And then maybe a quick note also on what it's been like focusing on training and teaching educators, teaching folks who are going to have to deliver the instruction. A lot of folks who listen to this show are maybe in more senior roles, leadership roles on the academic side. Any perspective you've had on that, especially in the space that you're in, having gone through the pandemic, thoughts on how you lead the humans who then are leading the instruction of this population that we're talking about? I think a big component of that, it's really awareness. It's really getting to know, you have, you have to get to know them. You have to uh, upscale where necessary. And obviously there's, there's consistent training. There's just consistent faculty development and consistent training all along Mm -hmm. because we're dealing with people that have never taught before some of them, Mm -hmm. but there are professionals in the field. Obviously it's, it's consistent. It is a consistent year to year training and teaching and developing them. 
The other place that we like to go, we always like to think about the future, which frequently gets into the way the future of work is changing and the way healthcare administration is changing and technologies are changing. Any sense of the field, it's a really broad field. I remember hearing recently about shortages of veterinary technicians, and it's really interesting to get a bird's eye view into this space because it's a moving target. The nature of the work is changing. And then also the needs around the different fields are changing. Any trends in that space that, that you've noticed that are, are worth highlighting for, for folks who might be interested? I think what we're going to see moving into the future is a lot of cross-pollination from skill set and cross-training. And what I mean by that is during the pandemic, because of the shortages, hospitals and clinics were having to pull people from different departments or like medical assistant, for example, from one department to come and work at a different department just because they were short staffed. So I think what that, what that revealed is that there's a little gap in terms of the skill set. So I think what we're going to see is just cross-training across skill sets. And maybe instead of a medical assistant, it might be a multi-skilled technician. It might be a medical assistant that looks a little bit different. Maybe some micro certifications added to their medical assistant certification, maybe EKG, mm-hmm. phlebotomy. I think there's also a field uh, that's open with telemedicine now. You know, telemedicine has always been around for, for a number of years, but right. never really took off mm-hmm. until the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And now, to be honest, I don't even want to go. I don't even want to go and see my physician. I, I prefer to just do it via Zoom. Right, so right. And telemedicine is going to be uh, big as well in, in the near future. And then what about the fast response side where you mentioned PPE and... CDC has been all over the place in terms of the the regulations. There's a lot within healthcare, just in general, just to ramp up on. And then in the case of the the pandemic and some of these new and emerging things, they change so quickly. Any insights there around the the fast response? You know, we talked to a lot of higher ed leaders who talk about how the responsiveness frequently isn't there. I, I imagine you don't have the luxury not to be fast. We don't. We pivot incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think the advantage that we have for our colleges is that because we're at Life Health and we, we have these close partnerships with the employers and the hospitals and the clinics, most of our programs have a clinical component to them or an externship component. So there are students before they even graduate, they spend approximately, it could be anywhere from 180 to 500 hours in a clinic setting, mm-hmm. really shadowing and learning and putting their skills into play. And that allows for employers to really take a look at them and and see if if they want to hire them. Because we have those close relationships, you know, when things change in the hospital, we're able to pivot immediately as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That communication is constantly flowing. The moment a clinic, during the pandemic, some of the clinics closed, we would know about it immediately. So I think that's the advantage that we have, that we're able to shift and pivot. And because we have flexible programs, and our structures are a little bit different than traditional universities. We're able to really, if there's a change that we have to make, we can definitely move in the direction pretty quick. Yeah. If you could give advice to someone who was thinking about a career in allied health uh, or education of folks in the profession, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say if you care about hearing, if you're a nurturer, if you want to make a difference, if these things are important to you, if you want not just a job, but 
really a profession and a career. If you like science, but you didn't think about what else can I do besides going to med school or you should come and take a look because there's so many things that you can do. Um, there's so many STEM careers that people don't know about. They think that the only STEM careers are in, in science, it's med school and being a nurse. But there's so many others and there's something for everybody. And, and you don't have to like blood either. <laughs> there, there's some areas that you don't have to see blood. There's medical billing and coding and an office, front office management. So there's so many things uh, available. So I just come call us and we'll walk you through. Jody Montano is the... Provost and Senior Vice President of Academics at CHCP. We'll include a link to CHCP on the website if you want to dig in more to what they're doing. We'll also include a link to the research on completion that they just did with Rice University. Really interesting stuff. As we're wrapping up here, Joe Anit, what thoughts should folks take away from this conversation? What are your, your closing remarks so that if folks have some takeaways they have something to chew on coming out of this. I think the biggest takeaway is life happens and we never know what it's going to be. The pandemic taught us that, you know, online learning is here to stay, that we have to be flexible. We have to be able to change and pivot and innovate. And adult learners are really becoming our modern learner. Adult learners are here to stay and, and they're going to increase in number. Mm -hmm. And if, if traditional colleges don't start taking a look and seeing what they can do to meet the student where they are, I think we're going we're gonna to be having some challenges. Mm -hmm. So flexibility, pivoting, adult learners, mm -hmm. those are all things to take away from this podcast. Absolutely. I'd also say respect for the dignity of work. There is a lot of hierarchy in the medical profession. And I think folks hopefully have been awakened a little bit through the pandemic about how we're all searching for meaning in our lives, searching for meaning in our career paths. I loved your note about if you care about caring, if you care about nurturing, we all should respect and thank and appreciate the people who are helping keep the nurturers healthy and balanced and properly educated. So thank you very much to you, Jody, Ted, for the work that you and team are doing. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you for the talk. Awesome. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed this episode, if you did, please write us a review, subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.